What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond, and you are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode, we got genuine NBA news, real things happening in the league, and to your Portland Trailblazers. We're going to talk about Damian Lillard making an all-NBA team. I want to talk a little bit about the Los Angeles Clippers as a cautionary tale. And then we'll close the show talking about the NBA draft. We've got real details about when the draft is going to happen and how the draft process is going to work in this new day and age. We'll close out the show talking about that. If you're a new listener, we do things in three parts here. Since the offseason started, we've been rolling through our season wrap-ups. We've done five little player capsules so far, and we'll continue to roll through the rest of the roster. I had one set up to run today, all prepped and ready to go for you, and then real news happened. And when real news happens, the good folks at Locked On Blazers pivot and bring you the news. So let's get into it. Damian Lillard is second-team All-NBA selection. Let's go over the teams. Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James, unanimous picks for first-team All-NBA. They're joined by James Harden, Anthony Davis, and Luka Doncic. Anthony Davis and LeBron James have become the first pair of teammates to be first-team All-NBA members since your boys, Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire, way back in 2007. On the second team, Damian Lamont Ollie Lillard, joined by Kawhi Leonard, Nikola Jokic, Chris Paul, Pascal Siakam of the Toronto Raptors, and third-team All-NBA, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons, and Russell Westbrook. This is Damian Lillard's fifth career All-NBA selection. He's a one-time first-team member. This is his third, second-team selection, and he was on the third team once. He received six first-place votes, 82 second-place votes, and eight Eight third-team votes. I'd be curious who those eight voters are who voted him third-team and voted uh, four guards ahead of him after seeing his season. That's quite interesting to me, but they don't release. They do make these votes public, but they they won't make them public until they announce uh, MVP. So once they have all the votes out, then they'll make the votes public, and we will find and shame those people. No, we won't, but I will will definitely look them up, and if there's any other funny ballot stuff, I'll bring that to you. Other players receiving votes for All-NBA, the biggest the largest vote getters that didn't get in was Chris Middleton. He had uh, 82 total points. You get five points for a first place vote, vote, three points for a second place vote, and one point for a third place vote. He got 10 second team votes and 52 third team votes, but he got them all as a forward. And so he was battling behind Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler. If he had been a guard, he easily would have finished. If even if the voters had seen him and voted him as a guard, he would have easily been ahead of Simmons and Westbrook. I think this is a pretty good reason to get rid of positions, but whatever. Middleton was awesome during the regular season, in my opinion. He deserved to be honored, but that's just not the way it worked. Other guards, other forwards receiving votes, excuse me, Paul George, Brandon Ingram, and Zach Levine got a single third-team vote. Congrats to Zach Levine. Other centers receiving votes, uh, of course, your first team centers are Anthony Davis, who hates to be called a center, Nikola Jokic, who's the best center in the NBA, and Rudy Gobert, who's a French person. The other centers who got votes, Joel Embiid, Bam Adebayo, Andre Drummond. Yo, 
There's the guy who voted Andre Drummond for first team or second team all defense, I believe. Maybe first team all defense. Whatever it was, I guarantee you it's the same dude who gave him second team all NBA votes. Gotta get rid of homeboy's vote. Also receiving votes in the center category, Carl Anthony Towns, Brooke Lopez. For guards who didn't make the team, oh, uh, for snubs, Joel Embiid, 79 points. uh, Well shy of Rudy Gobert's 110, but... If Embiid had played a little bit more, I think the injury um, kind of injuries kind of took away from Embiid's candidacy. But he was awesome. He he definitely could have been on one of those teams, and it wouldn't have been a, a major upset. Guards receiving votes that didn't get in: Brad Beal, the largest vote getter; Kyle Lowry, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Kemba Walker. I could have seen Lowry as a pick over Russell Westbrook for third team. I would have liked to see Chris Middleton just be voted in as a guard over Russell Westbrook on the third team. Either of those guys are better choices. I'm not like crazy outraged that Russell Westbrook made third team. He had a great year. His numbers are good. The Rockets were had a good season. Um, they were in a, they were in better shape before the bubble, so it, their season looks better when these when this voting was frozen. So let's let's talk about Damian Lillard being second team All NBA. I if you are outraged, the people to be outraged at are the voters who chose Luka Doncic and James Harden ahead of him because he only was available for those or eligible for those two guard spots. And to me, while I have said repeatedly and I believe it wholeheartedly that Damian Lillard was the best point guard in the NBA this season, I don't think I've said it. I don't think there's a debate. I don't think we're saying, okay, but what about this other dude? I don't, I don't think there is. I think that Luka Doncic kind of functions as a guard, functions as a point guard for the, uh, for the Mavericks, but he's not, he's like a, amorphous wing ball handling wing he's he's someone who like very specifically doesn't have a position he certainly doesn't guard opposing point guards which would be a good measure of what position he plays but he does initiate the offense and have the ball in his hands all the time uh, I don't think he's a point guard so I, I don't think I think Dame is still the top player in his position James Harden obviously not a point guard plays with Russell Westbrook who's pretty clearly the point guard but again a guy who initiates has the ball in his hands both of those Really, to me, those are deserving choices. Both had monster years and their teams were better. And I think that if you're really upset about sort of Dame's place in this, it's the, it's a team thing. Dame was fantastic, the best we've ever seen him. He was the best point guard in the league this year. And he would have gotten those votes if the Blazers were good. But when the when the voting was frozen, the Blazers were in ninth place, tied with New Orleans, tied with Sacramento when the voting was frozen. It froze in uh, March 11th when the season ended. It did not account for the games that happened in Orlando. And if your team is out of the playoffs or on the edge of the playoffs, you're just not going to get the benefit of the doubt. And Dame didn't get the benefit of the doubt. You know, he got six first place votes. Uh, if he had been first team All NBA, I would have I wouldn't have been here telling you that he didn't deserve it over Harden or Doncic. But I, Luca and James Harden had monster years statistically. Uh, you know, sexier box score numbers than Dame and. Both of their teams were playoff teams led by them. You know, I think Harden was, you know, he's was in the MVP conversation for a, for at least a portion of the early in the year. Particularly, Doncic too was in the MVP conversation for you know up up through January before the the Mavericks kind of cooled off a little bit and he got hurt briefly. But Dame, while he while he deserves all the praise here and he'll get it, the best point guard in the league. I don't think you can call this a snub or a getting shorted or anything like that. This is the this is the way all NBA 
voting works. Uh, you get two forwards, two guards, and a center on each on each team. I think the league would be better get, to get away from positions and just vote five best players. It would probably end up shorting guys like Rudy Gobert and having their legacies change a little bit. Rudy Gobert being like the 22nd best player in the NBA, but the third best center, he, you know, ends up on these teams and things like that. And I think it would short, pardon the pun, but I think it would, it, it would end up, the, the positionless thing would end up having a, 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 the side effect of maybe leaving centers out of the conversation because they're just a little bit valued a little bit differently. So there's, there's always a balance when you change these things. But to me, Damian Lillard being on second team all NBA is a, a wonderful accomplishment that you should be you know, happy about, I guess, if you want to live vicariously through his personal accomplishments. And also, I don't think you can really be upset about it. Uh, if you're looking for a hot take about why he was snubbed, there's got to be one out there in the Blazers Twitter world or Blazers internet media world. I'm sure you can find one. Go track it down. But to me, congratulations, Damian Lillard. Fantastic season and a well-deserved honor. All right, in the second segment, I want to come back and talk about the collapse of the Los Angeles Clippers and what it tells us about the challenges and pitfalls of building a team on the fly. All right. So we talked about Damian Lillard, second team All-NBA. Congrats to Dame. In the second segment, I want to talk about the, the fragility of team chemistry through the lens of the Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers were up 3-1 in their Western Conference semifinal series against the Denver Nuggets. Then they were up 15 in Game 5. Excuse me, 16 in Game 5. 19 in Game 6. And 11 in Game 7. And they lost all the games. They lost all three. They lost three straight to blow the series. And they got punked off the floor in Game 7. They were up, they got a, a seven-point lead early in the fourth quarter, and Denver took control, and the Clippers looked beat up. The final six minutes of a closeout game, the Clippers were just out of it. They had no chance. They were punked. And the Clippers' issue isn't talent. In fact, on paper, I would say they're pretty obviously better than the Denver Nuggets, right? On the court, though, they didn't stand a chance. And one of the reasons why they didn't stand a chance, why they buckled when it mattered, is because this team doesn't have particularly good chemistry. And there hasn't been a lot of sort of in-depth reporting on the sort of like inner squad feuding and things like that. Uh, Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports wrote a story just basically like laying out um, sort of the obvious with some some interesting little anecdotes about... Um, these Clippers don't like each other, but I don't know if you need that reporting to know that there's kind of like maybe not the best vibes coming out of that team. Uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard kind of have this like your turn now my turn vibe on offense defensively, particularly in game six. There was sort of like this on court live action debate over who would try to guard Nikola Jokic, who was just um spreading them to pieces first it was Paul George then it was Kawhi Leonard one possession and it's just the kind of the kind of like little details where you can tell that maybe these dudes aren't simpatico I think it's for a variety of reasons one is that uh, Kawhi Leonard is the best player on the team and he is just not capable of being a galvanizing leader personality wise he's quiet um, he tries to let his game do the talking lead by example here's the thing about leading by example that doesn't exist 
That just means you don't lead. It means you play well, but you're not a leader. That's just that's how it works. Uh, it's hard on really good teams for anyone other than like one of your five best players to be a leader. You kind of need a leader on championship level teams to be on the court when it matters. It's hard to lead from the bench, and it's certainly hard to lead if you don't play at all. So just adding veterans to the end of the bench isn't isn't easy to do. But the Clippers also had this weird trouble where they prioritize the playoffs. They prioritize this playoff push before. They had, well before they'd even gotten there, well before they'd really accomplished anything in the regular season, Kawhi Leonard sat out all season long for various reasons to just preserve his body for load management, uh, which Paul George sat out nights too. You know, they they really were saying, we're in it for the long haul. And it it didn't allow the Clippers to build an identity. And it it... it so everyone is trying to fill the void when they add Marcus Morris from the New York Knicks, who came over and only played in the uh, only played in the Disney games. You know, he's trying to fill this void where there's just sort of this who steps up, who's the who's the leading role player, who's the leading, who's the big personality, who's all those things um, without uh, sort of because of the load management and because of how little their core group got to play together. Uh, Doc Rivers is unable to define consistent roles. If you don't define consistent roles, you just don't have an identity. So they had nothing to fall back on in game seven. So this isn't news. Like I said, you didn't need uh, the Yahoo Sports story about it. You don't need me telling you about it. If you watch them play, you know that they just weren't simpatico. These dudes just, they didn't get along. They didn't gel perfectly. They were relying on talent to win out. And that can go so far. But when you need to close a game and you need to be sort of demonstrative in doing so, it helps to have a clearly defined plan leader guy. Uh, even if Kawhi was the guy, uh, the sort of that leadership void can create uncertainty, particularly when things get rocky. When you have your backs against the wall, if you don't have a clear identity, things get tough. So why do I mention all this? Like I said, you don't need me to tell you. Why do I mention all this? Because I think this is one of the one of the pitfalls, one of the challenges. It highlights the fragility of trying to build team chemistry on the fly. This is why the Blazers have prioritized continuity to bring it back to Portland, the Portland basketball team that this podcast is ostensibly about. Now, I'm not, I'm in favor of of taking a big swing, trading away, uh, you know, Yusuf Nurkic if it gets you there, trading away CJ McCollum if it gets you there, building around Dame. But one of the things that the Blazers have working for them that that the, these Clippers don't, you know, they trade, they trade away, they had, you know, this fun chemistry last year with Tobias Harris and Daniel Gallinari, and then they ship out all these parts, and they try to rebuild on the fly, adding Kawhi Leonard, chipping away their young guys to bring in Paul George from OKC, and you try to build on the fly, and you have trouble creating identity, and, and without an identity, then you don't have this natural chemistry. The Blazers don't have that problem because they have Damian Lillard, a clearly defined leader. He's the guy who's going to have the ball. He's gonna, the guy who's going to have the loudest voice in the locker room, all those things. But I think this is sort of the challenge of trying to build that super team on the fly. And I'm not saying that the Blazers are kind of in this, um, in the, in a mode where they're going to be building a super team. I've, you know, I've said on this podcast a ton of times that they just like don't have the parts to kind of trade for other stars. But I think even if you if you take out sort of the reality of the Blazers context with like what they can trade for and the and the money and all that, and you just think about it sort of like just as an abstract concept. One of the things the Blazers have tried to prioritize is is building a culture and an identity and a unity. And I think that what you don't always need that. 
the Lakers are freaking mercenaries and they're going to win the NBA title probably. But there is real value to teams that can't just package it all together and get Anthony Davis and bring in LeBron James and just kind of move on the fly. There is sort of real value into being clear of who you are and what you are. And I don't think what the Blazers have done is this like really commendable thing. But if you are someone who wants them to make all these big moves and big trades and big swings, I just... I think the Clippers are the cautionary tale of what happens when you try to do it all at once and you skip steps. Now, the Lakers, like I said, are going to skip steps and win the damn title, so it works for some folks. But there's that other side of the coin, and the other side of the coin is the, is the Clippers, who just couldn't get it done because they didn't have an identity, they didn't have a leader, they had, these, they had voids in both who they were and who was leading them. The Blazers don't have that. They have a clear identity and they have a clear leader. But if you shake up the roster enough, if you shake that snow globe enough, it gets murky. So while I'm in favor of I'm in favor of the shakeup, I'm in favor of swinging big, I'm in favor of of switching up this roster to some extent. If the Blazers don't, I kind of get it because I saw how hard it was for a team that has a ton, a ton of talent, who I believe was the most talented team in the NBA when the season started. If I didn't say this that about the Clippers on this podcast, I said it on TV a couple times, so there's definitely tape of me saying it. But talent can take you really, really far. That sort of chemistry, unity, continuity, that can put you over the top. Or if you're at the Blazers and you're kind of stuck somewhere, not not near the top, but not quite at the bottom, that continuity and that leadership, that can keep you in the mix. I don't want to say that the Blazers are sort of doing it right and the Clippers are doing it wrong. I don't want to position them like that. I just want to say that what the Clippers are doing shows you what the other side could potentially look like. All right, in third segment, let's shift gears one more time right? We've got three real segments in the show today. We haven't had one of these in a while with real news, but we got real news. What I want to do in the third segment is tell you about the NBA draft. It's happening, and the NBA draft process is starting to take shape with real details released today by the league and a few of the newsbreakers in the NBA. So that's what we'll talk about in the third segment. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Bill Bar. Bill Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's, as they call it, even more deliciouser. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Great texture. Like I said, candy bar-like. And they come in 18 amazing flavors. Raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, toffee almond, coconut. Just to name a few. In addition to being truly yummy. They're also a wonderful option for the health conscious among us because they're low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Something that tastes good and is good for you. A snack that you'd love to grab out of your pantry. Better than so many other options. So if you want to get your hands on this good option, here's what you do. You go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your next order. That's the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked On Blazers. Talk about Damian Lillard's second team All-NBA selection. We talked about the challenges of creating inorganic chemistry. An experiment that the Clippers took on and failed. But now let's talk about the NBA draft. The Blazers' season is over. 
the next important step as they try to retool for the following year. It's going to be the NBA draft, and now we have some legitimate details about when it is. The league had floated in a press release that the NBA draft was tentatively scheduled for November 18th, 2020. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported on Tuesday that that is no longer a tentative date. That is locked the heck in. November 18th, a Wednesday night. Get excited. The Blazers are going to have the 16th pick and the 46th pick, or they do now. Who knows if they'll keep them. But so those, we know when it's going to happen. We know what the, when the Blazers will conceivably be on the clock. But today, Wednesday here, Wednesday afternoon, uh, some details came out from the league announcing what the pre-draft process would look like. Uh, typically, NBA teams, when they're out of the playoffs, if this were a normal season or or a season that a typical season, I think is probably a better way to put that a typical season that the year would end. And then they would bring prospects uh, into their facilities to work out. Uh, they would go through interviews with, with, you know, the big guys they would come and have or major targets, have interviews with them, get them in front of their coaches, go through a workout, maybe bring in someone else in their same draft range to compete with. Uh, the Blazers would, in addition, would go to these uh, mini camps that would be held in Vegas and Los Angeles, where agents would put a bunch of pre-draft, a bunch of draft hopefuls in in the same gym and have them go through shooting drills, have them play five and five, and just a way that you can you know see guys, talk to their representatives, all all in one space. Those things are gone due to the ongoing COVID nineteen pandemic. You just can't gather a bunch of people in one place. You get it. So the league is coming up with some solutions on the fly here. What's going to start with is that in September, the 21st through the 24th, according to the league's official press release, is that there will be standardized NBA interviews via video conference. Now, the league used to have an NBA draft combine where they'd invite a select number of players to Chicago. Guys would go through, um, like, physical testing. They'd get weighed. They'd play five on five. They'd do vertical jumps. They do all the little sort of like um, underwear Olympics type things. Uh, I don't, just talking to at least people in the Blazer world, I don't think the the Blazers ever put much stock into combine stuff. Um, So I don't think losing that is a big deal. But one of the things you do at the combine is meet guys face to face. Um, Easier meet them face to face at the combine when you say, hey, we'd like to talk to these 10 prospects. They bring them in the room. You get to interview them the way that you do, you know, kind of get a get a feel for what they're like as people. Maybe ask them wacky questions and see how they they respond to those wacky questions. I'm not I'm not sure the Blazers do that, but certainly some teams do. So the NBA is not going to have the underwear Olympics type thing, but what they are going to have, at least at this first stage, but they are going to have interviews. And according to Shams Trania, basically the way that will go is the league is going to run these and they'll get 10 questions and each team will be assigned 20 players for 30 minutes of these questioning each. Um, and so that will happen that, that September 20th through the 21st. Then the following week, there will be Medical examinations important for teams. Get get guys medicals. See where they're see you know if if anyone comes back with any red flags. Um, if you're a Blazer fan, you're familiar with drafting dudes maybe with bodies that aren't going to hold up for the long haul. Uh, those are going to happen in NBA team markets. They're going to be medical examinations. Uh, they're going to run from the. September 28th, maybe for a full month, depending on as needed. The league says they can run through October 23rd as needed. 
In additional, in addition, during the same sort of two-week stretch, September 28th to October 16th, at NBA team facilities, there's going to be strength and agility testing and what the league is calling anthropometric testing. Look, I'm not going to look up what that word means. I know what they're going to do. They're going to run and jump and do agility testing and underwear Olympics. You know what it is. Sounds like that is going to be, at least according to Shamstrani of The Athletic, that the sort of medical strength and agility stuff is going to be uh, at NBA facilities and it would be prospects traveling by car to the nearest team market. Now, I'm going to guess that there aren't a lot of NBA prospects that are close to the Blazers market. Like, there aren't a lot of NBA dudes who live in... I mean, maybe there's someone who live in Seattle, but there's certainly not many who live in the off the off season in Portland. Um, it seems like all of this stuff is going to happen in the city in the city of Los Angeles and potentially Miami, right? Like these dudes are in warm weather climates. That's that's you're a you're a future millionaire heading to the NBA. You're going to stay in uh, major metropolises in warm weather climates. The whole damn league lives in LA anyways. This seems like they're going to have to iron out some kinks, but for right now, that agility testing, like what I keep joking as the underwear Olympics happens at team facilities, the league will uh, facilitate these. And from what I understand, from what the reporting from both Shamstrania and Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports is that teams will be able to watch these via video. They won't have multiple personnel in the gym or a whole bunch of personnel in the gym. They'll basically bring guys in, let them go through the tests, and um, and teams will watch. Uh, same day, same time, the guys will go through shooting drills. There's uh, eight shooting drills on the court, and there, and team personnel again will be watching this via video. They won't be there, and then there'll be like a pro day video. So they'll go through physical, probably more than just straight up shooting drills, but some other basketball y type stuff that teams can watch. All this is to say, you've got your details, you got your timeline. Basically, last week or second to last week in September, the twenty first, this starts. It'll run through the middle of October, maybe the end of October, as needed for all the medical stuff, and then we'll get the actual NBA draft on November eighteenth. Obviously, this stuff. This is the. This is what the league called in the press release. Yeah, I get the press releases. I got an email address. What the league called in the press release, the preliminary schedule. Um, things can develop. Things can change. We we all know how quickly stuff happens in this world but i think we've got an idea of when that pre-draft stuff's going to happen beginning next week we'll start to see uh the uh nba interviews and the and the video uh, through video conferences uh the blazers are incredibly secretive about who they bring in anyways i can't imagine that we'll get leaked idea of who they interviewed in these but the after that uh september 28th when the testing and stuff starts, maybe we'll get an idea of who the Blazers are talking to. As we do, if we're familiar or if there are reports out there, I will tell you about it. I'm not. That's that's what this podcast is here for. We will talk about who they're who they're targeting in the draft. As we get closer, we'll we'll narrow down on some potential targets. I'll bring some draft experts on. We'll do all the fun stuff. But now at least we got a timeline and we know when it's happening. That's going to do it for this episode. It's nice to have a little real news to talk about. What a change of pace during what promises to be a maybe a long offseason here in the NBA. We got more season wrap-ups coming back. They're player capsules looking back at every player on the roster and their 2019-2020 season and what lies ahead for them. We've done five so far. We've got more coming. Like I said, we'll go through every single player on the roster. We also got Mailbag Monday coming next week. Look, there's no NBA season, but there's always it's always a good time to hop on board Locked on Blazers. We keep the content coming. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. 
Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.